everyone. Welcome to Central American Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today we are with Erika Tenorio, a queer Nicaraguan Mexican indigenous from Chorotega, Yaqui, and Tejono Odam communities, respectfully. Was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. She earned her bachelor's degree in illustration and design, Latin American studies, and American Indian studies from the University of Arizona. It's a pleasure to have you here, Erika. I am so excited to talk with you. Um, I can't wait to like go into your talk, but also I want to, of course, thank you because you have been a listener from the beginning, always supporter, and you know I just want to say thank you for all the support and love that you have always given to the podcast. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alejandra. You know, it's I'm so excited to be here. You know, thank you for inviting me into our Central American space. You know, me being a guest on one of my favorite podcasts because you are. You guys are my favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. No, of course, and thank you. I that feels like, like I don't know, like it just talking with you before we start recording. I just talked like, oh my god, like the, like a long friend that we haven't talked with each other, and this is our first time like talking with each other, like per yeah. than DMs. But like I just feel like I have seen you so much, like in social media and com and everywhere. Yes. That I'm like I know you. <laughs> I know you. So I'm so excited. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you to be that one listener that is so special to us. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of start with, you know, a little bit of how we always start here. A little bit of like, how was your experience growing as a Central American, as you, you know, Nicaraguan and Mexican? So how was the experience as a Central American and Mexican um, growing up? Oh, man. So just to set out the layout, um, where I live, it's in um, Tucson, Arizona. We it's a predominant uh, Mexican population. You know, um, the closest I would say we're very close to the border. When you think about it, we're like about sixty miles away, maybe an hour and fifteen minutes away from Nogales, Sonora, Mexico. Um, and because of that, you know, that's why we have a very big um, Mexican population. And so, you know, growing up. There was little Central American experience. Um, here in Tucson, we only have like two pupusirias and that's it. That's all we have. I think in Arizona, it's, um, let's see, two in Tucson. And then we have like eight other pupusirias in Phoenix and in the surrounding uh, cities of Phoenix. That's all you got. Like we don't have like any other stores, any other restaurants that are like Central American related. It's just uh, a lot of uh, Salvadoreño restaurants. I mean, that's great, but uh, yeah. you know, we wish that there was more. But um, you know, because people don't realize it that we there are Central like you know there's some Central Americans here in Arizona, but it's not so big like how it is in mm -hmm. California, in Florida, at the DMV. Mm -hmm. um, Texas, even Chicago, like we're our own little, um, we have our own little space. And even then it, it feels really lonely sometimes, you know, cause we're not as prominent, like, you know, how I see my other friends, like where they live at, you know, you, they can go to a, um, um, you know, they can go to stores that have like a bunch of like Central American stuff. And yeah, we mm -hmm. can't even find that here, which is, is it's sad. It's infuriating at times. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as you can already guess, that means that I grew up with my Mexican heritage. Mm -hmm. um, I spoke 
Mexican Spanish. I traveled often with my grandparents to um, to Mexico, you know, when I was growing up so I can see my relatives over there. And and it was so sad because growing up, I even thought I was full Mexican. And that was the sad part. I thought I was full Mexican. Um, and so just to give a little background of my parents, my mom is from um, Sonora, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And my dad is Nicaraguense. He's from uh, Managua, Nicaragua. Uh, and they both came here in the uh, late 80s. You know, they were both teens, came here. One was for a better education. The other one came here because he was fleeing from, you know, the uh, piece of shit. Ronald Reagan's funded, uh, you know, Contra War. And you know, he ended up coming over here. So my dad, he didn't speak a lot about Nicaragua, especially when I was little. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I got older and, you know, I was, I was learning how to cook that he opened up to me. We started talking mm-hmm. about his childhood. But even then, as like I was still young, he only talked about the surface of his childhood in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got older that he was go- like going more in depth about it, talking mm-hmm. about not just the positive experiences, but the bad experiences, you know, like mm-hmm. he would even make comments saying, yeah, like. I saw this happening during the during the Contra War. I hope you and your siblings, you know, never get to experience and never get to smell mm-hmm. burning human flesh. Like that's all that I saw. Um, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, are you okay? <laughs> like, I would ask him, like, is everything okay with you? <laughs> it was so sad because, like, it started making me realize, like, mm-hmm. how happy he was in Nicaragua, but that because of stuff like this. He had to come over here, yeah. and, and and it wasn't like up to my dad's choice. This was my um, so a little side note. I don't call mm-hmm. my grandpa, I don't call him Tata or Abuelo. Mm-hmm. We call him Papito. So like, if okay. you hear me saying Papito or Mamita, I'm referring to my paternal grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't my dad's choice to come here. You know, it was my papito's choice. He was like, okay, let's take the oldest child, who's my dad, and let's take him to my brother's family. And they were living here in Tucson. Mm -hmm. And my papito went to either, I think he went back to either Cuba or he went back to um, Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, we don't know. We don't have a straight answer from my grandparents as to why was it only just my dad? that came mm-hmm. over here why couldn't it have been him and his family but mm-hmm. you know it's it's like the way that my my papito's mind works is just one just one person and you know they'll be fine they'll be okay but mm-hmm. because of that decision there were there were a lot of like repercussions unfortunately mm-hmm. and um you know that's why my dad didn't really get to grow up as much mm-hmm. as with his heritage um because when he was living here in Arizona, his mindset was surviving in a new environment, adapting, and so much so he ended up assimilating to the Mexican culture because yeah. nobody understood the way that he spoke, you know. Mm-hmm. He um, and it was just really sad just because he um because it got to the point where my dad didn't know much of his culture anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him yeah. for not for him not teaching um, 
me and my siblings, you know, our heritage, just because, like I said, he was just, he was just a young boy who was in a new place, just surviving, adapting. And that was all. And, you know, he didn't even know about, uh, what intergenerational trauma was. It wasn't until I talked about it, um, like two years ago, three years ago Mm. that, you know, about trauma in general and talking about what he experienced, what his parents and grandparents experienced in, you know, especially in Central America and, you know, our history. And, and it was, you know, like my dad said, had to sit down. He's like, Oh, I didn't know about this. And it, I would tell, give him examples saying, hey, this is why, you know, we feel like this. You know, this is why mm-hmm. I I can't with certain certain issues. And I tell him, you have a grandson now, you know, my son. He's going to have those too. He's going to have that mm-hmm. trauma. But we don't, we want you to heal. We want us to heal and him to heal, you know, like my son mm-hmm. to heal. So that's why... Um, I never blamed my dad for him not teaching us the culture just because of, you know, his situation, Mm -hmm. not to mention he was undocumented at the time. So for him, it was um, also being in school, getting that education while, you know, staying on the good side so that nothing would happen. He wouldn't get uh, uh, deported. Um, So that's why when it came to my dad cooking, he he would open up about his childhood Mm -hmm. and he makes you know, the cuisines from over there, you know, we're talking manuelitas, arroz a la valenciana, nacatamales, and uh, salpicón, vigorón, so many stuff like that. And it was so interesting because when I was younger, I would think this is like, oh, this is Mexican food. But as I got older, I was like, oh, wait, I don't see this anywhere. So I would ask Mm -hmm. my dad, what is this? And it was really amazing because, you know, despite him not knowing much of his history, he was still able to hold on to his heritage by cooking the cuisines. And I was really happy about that. And so, and so I like, mm-hmm. you know, today now that I'm, I have my own place, I'm cooking those cuisines here at the house. I'm, I'm cooking it for my son, for my partner, continuing that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, and growing up, the only Nicaraguans mm-hmm. that I knew were my siblings. It was, you know, like my dad, myself, and then my sister and my two brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be my dad's um, extended family, the mm-hmm. the uncle, the uncle side of the family I was telling you about. Yeah. Um, you know, because in that family, they were, um, it was Nic- uh, Nicaragüenses and Salvadorinos as well in that mm-hmm. family. But... <laughs> They're mitoteros. They're people that love stirring drama. They love poking their noses and stuff they shouldn't be. They love, you know, being in other people's businesses. And and it was really toxic, you know, especially because Mm -hmm. how treated my dad, Mm -hmm. you know, when he was uh, going to school over here, they treated him like he was a slave. They treated him like he was nothing. And Mm They're liars. They were lying about my dad claiming that, you know, he was in a gang. He was ditching school, getting bad grades. And my mamita called my dad crying, saying, why are you doing this? Like, the reason why we got you out of here was so that that influence did not follow you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my the uncle's side of the family were liars. Yeah. And my dad didn't want to be associated with that kind of family anymore. Mm-hmm. So after he chose not to you know, we cut ties with them. Our only family 
on my dad's side that we, you know, consider to be our family mm-hmm. is our immediate family that live in Nicaragua. So it's mm-hmm. my grandparents, my cousins, and my dad's, you know, siblings, Matias and Tios. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like that's our only connection to our heritage, to the motherland. And, you know, I'm currently learning about my dad's, um, you know, like his Nicaragüense and his indigenous heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, since, you know, me and my siblings, we didn't get to grow up with the culture and history and not not even the Central American Spanish. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, we're, we're teaching my dad yeah, he's relearning stuff that he suddenly remembers. He's like, "Yeah, I remember this. I remember I, um, you know, like my grandma used to tell me this story, or my parents told me about this, or oh, it was so fun experiencing, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of thing in Nicaragua." And I know, like, some of the listeners are probably thinking, like, "Well, yeah, why didn't why didn't your immediate family teach the culture? Why didn't they mm-hmm. teach your dad, or why didn't your dad teach you?" Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it was different with my immediate family, mm-hmm. especially because mm-hmm. growing up in the early 2000s and late 2000s, it was like you get we communicated through mail. Mm-hmm. And then as we as the phones were progressing, it was like emails. And then yeah. I think by like 2014, 2015, it was starting to become like WhatsApp yeah. now. And now we can call them. We can message them about stuff. and. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and now we could, um, you know, we could um, call them kind of like FaceTime on Mm -hmm. WhatsApp and we talk to them. And so that's why it was different just because in, you know, it was different. It was different Mm -hmm. as to how we could communicate with our family outside of like outside in Central America. And and do you remember how like um, over there it was like you had to get the the, those cards, like those prepaid cards or those minutes yeah yeah so and so for them they they sometimes didn't have enough money to Mm -hmm. get those so we wouldn't hear back for them for like a couple of weeks maybe a couple of months but we knew it was because yeah i mean sometimes they didn't have that money (laughs) yeah but i feel like you know i feel like um it's 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 kind of like interesting how you explain a little bit of like how you grew up as a central american and especially with like acknowledging like your dad situation because uh, as you said well many people will be like why they didn't why did your dad didn't you know teach you the culture well the thing is that and i can only assume you know after coming from a war and coming not only to live with your parents right like how old was your dad when he came he was like i would say like maybe 13 so he was little yeah he was little like- I, I was I, for some reason i was assuming like 18 like he was yeah. little. Yeah, he okay. was little. And so and so the fact that he was like, you know, the fact that my papito mm-hmm. just dropped him off and was like, okay, yeah, my boy. And it's like, I when I saw my brothers mm-hmm. when they were 13, I was like, I can't believe it. Like seeing how young they are, how small they are. I was like, I can't believe that's how small my dad was. And the fact yeah. that he was by himself, he was worried about what's happening to my family over there, what's happening to my siblings. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that is so sad. That is so sad because I'm, I'm just like, pick of you know, putting a picture because, yeah, you, you may ask, you know, maybe he didn't teach you, you know, maybe the Nicaraguan said language or, you know, those little colloquial words or, you know, yeah. all those stuff or, you know, have the maybe attachment as different as you would have 
with with a Mexican, you know, community because you're growing up around the Mexican community. You're growing up, uh, you know, close to your mom and all all those areas. But yeah. the only connection you have is with your dad cuisine, which is so beautiful. And like, I feel like, and, and just you know, probably is is the reason why your dad didn't be more open with his heritage. Well, like you said, it was a trauma. Because I, I'm like 13, you're put in a new situation, you're in a family, and then sadly, like the situation and the case you explained with, with his deal, it is not the first one that I've ever heard, though. And I've yeah. seen it too. And I experienced it myself too, when like you come to a place and you're with family, and all of a sudden, like everything changed. Because, you know, aquí diría, pues, you know, la remalia. A los tres días apesta, right? Or I don't know, something yeah. like that. And it's not like we're saying, like, estamos ahí and then we're getting, but the thing is that sometimes when family, I'm just going in general, sometimes family, they tell you, oh, come here and like they stay there and it's like they expect you, oh, help me with rent, help me with this, help me with that. Even yeah. if you're 13, right? And you said, like, well, he's not coming there. I, I have seen that with like some cousin that moved like across the country and they would tell me, oh, I didn't continue school because so and so was telling me that I need to pay rent. But I was like, but you're 16. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not saying that you cannot work, but I'm saying that you should go to school, you know? Um, and it's like, you, you come into the thing to realize that sometimes toxic and like those, you know, esa vibra mala come with your family. Yeah. Right? Because they seem like, oh, well, you're here. They're expecting something and you change. Right. And like, it's so sad in the sense that, you know, your parent being 13 is like going through that and like, como dijiste, pues, diciéndole cosas falsas a la familia, ya es bad, like, relationship, you know? And, and, and you know what, what was really sad, too? I I would say horrible. Mm -hmm. A shitty move was that um, this is the same deal that, you know, he would get money from my papito. He would, um, you know, my papito would send, like, I think it was, like, about $500, $1,000 to be like, oh, okay, take, this is for my son. You know, this is for my dad. Like, this is for his schoolwork, for him to have stuff for, like, school supplies and whatnot. And okay, you can wow. already guess. Nope. You can already guess that that deal. he took the majority of the money. He maybe left, like, $10 to my dad. And my dad, he needed school clothes, and he would go to the thrift stores. He was like, yeah, there, you know, before thrift stores were popular now, I had to go buy clothes that, you know, I already had sweat stains. But I needed new clothes. And so that's why when my mamita found out about the uncle, you know, or like, sorry, when my mamita found out about um, my dad's deal lying, saying all these things, and then him getting more money, they cut ties. They're like, nope, we're not sending money because you're the one that's going to steal it. Um, I've encountered mm -hmm. this uncle like once, maybe. And he was demanding that respect. Like, hey, I'm your tío. Show some respect. I'm your elder. And I'm like, mm -mm. and I already knew. I think I was like 14, I think, when, when I encountered him. And I was like, no. Why am I going to give you that level of respect when my dad has already told me about how you were to him, how you, you know, treated him like shit? Mm -hmm. And I just simply said, no. I was like, no. I don't, I don't respect you. And he was demanding my dad, like, Hey, you need to, you need to hit her. You need to get some sense into her. My dad, and my dad's like, no. And I was like, I don't care if I'm 14. I am ready to fucking fight this guy. I was like, I don't care. Okay. I was like, that is, 
disgusting. That is horrible. Oh and so, and that was like the first and only time that I met that uncle. But um, uh, AKA his name is uh, Tio Ramon, <laughs> and <laughs> I, and you know I I told my dad I was like, do you really want to associate yourself with this side of the family? You know, just because they live here in Tucson. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where, like, even my mom was saying it, don't associate with them because mm-hmm. of how they are. They were the ones, too, that they would ask, like, they would pry into my parents' lives and be like, why aren't you guys married? You know, you already got, like, three kids. You know, this was before my my youngest brother was born. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents had their reasons. They're like, no, like, we don't want to yet. But they were the kind that wanted to be in their business, that wanted to stir up, you know, trouble. Yeah. And so... When we cut ties with them, my papito was like, you don't cut ties with family. Like, that's your family no matter what. I'm like, I'm sorry, but Mm-mm. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I was exactly. like, no. <laughs> I, was like, exactly. I was like, papito, you guys are like my only family. And my dad was like, yeah, exactly. We don't associate with them. Um, we just know that they still live here in Tucson. They live on the south side. We live on the east side. And we're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I feel like, you know, a part of like your dad and also you guys healing is also acknowledging like from where does all that come from? Right. Because I feel like, you know, not only his journey here, but also how he how he um, experience was growing up in the United States, right, with with that side of the family, because I feel like putting all the pressure, and also, like you said, like, well, the person was demanding years later for him to have some respect, I can only assume, and of course, imagine that that was the kind of respect that we're expecting from your parent, from, from, from your dad, and it's like, well, you know, your dad is not here, you need to respect me, you need to do this, 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 and that, yeah. and it's like, that can also put a burden, and it can also shut you down, and not wanting to know nothing about like because at 14 you're still growing you're still learning so like if if the only little memories you have from Nicaragua or from your culture are from back then but here you're put in a very uncomfortable toxic and all the yeah. bad thing you're just gonna shut down you're not gonna go and ask them like oh what do you remember about Nicaragua you're not gonna go ask that person because you feel attacked and that is how sometimes coping can be like you just shut down and you don't want to know nothing or talk about it until you know and I feel like it's part of the healing understanding toxic relationship and also understanding how like like you said you know your, your, your papito told you, like, well, you don't cut ties with families. And I feel like it is time for our community to know that you have to. Sometimes your own family is a toxic one. Sometimes yeah. you just have to be like, you know, I don't want to associate with you because one, you're not, it's not going to be beneficial. You know, you're damaging me, not only my mental health, but also like you bring a lot of negativity to myself, you know, and yeah. That, is putting boundaries and like I know from our community like oh you know it's familia we have to respect it but no like this is from every case you know we're talking this in the case of like someone who you know practically but at the same time like that can be different cases and I feel like yeah. it's it's important to understand boundaries and I'm glad that that is something that you have talked with your, with your dad. Um, and also about like your son, cause you know, having a son is like, well, you don't want, you want to protect him. Like, you know, you know, yeah. so, you know, so I feel like it's part of the healing 
as well as of everybody of your family heal and at the same time as you reconnect is the same way that he can get to reconnect back to his culture to his heritage and like you know through food and i i'm, I'm so happy <laughs> yeah but so and, that's why, and and that's why i say too that i don't blame my dad it's not his fault mm-hmm. you know because yeah. you know we don't have a lot of central americans over here mm-hmm. and what he experienced from you know coming from uh, Nicaragua and then living here you know with the horrible family and that's why my dad didn't know about any of this intergenerational trauma he's like that's a thing I'm like yes that's a thing (laughs) like you didn't know and so when I had to really explain about that um he had to sit down and he understood. He's like, okay, this is why I act like this. This is why when I'm angry, I bottle up all my feelings. And then when something happens, it just all comes out at once. And I'm like, you know what? And I would tell my dad, you know what's funny? Who experiences that? Me. I'm the one that bottles up my feelings. And when I'm put in a corner, I freak out and it all comes out. And then I'm like, why do you think, like, I had to like give him examples. I'm like, why do you think, you know, your, my brothers act like this? Or why do you think uh, my sister does this? Or why do you think I'm freaking out or that I act like this when something happens because mm-hmm. of the trauma? And I, and I told him, keep in mind, it's just not your trauma. You know, it's like my mom's trauma from her family, what they experienced. I'm like, you have to understand that you can pass that down. And he looks at my son and he's like, I mijito, so sorry. I was like, hey, like, it's okay because, you know, like, you're going to be healing right now. Um, I'm currently healing. I'm showing, I'm the guide, sh- you know, showing my siblings how to heal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make sure that my son heals so that he doesn't go through the same crisis that we're yeah. kind of going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, it was just, I didn't get to grow up with the, the influence. And mm-hmm. right now I'm making it as, not as a duty, but like. I'm making it as would you consider it as a duty? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, is it probably priority? You can say there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm. but yeah, like it's. I'm making it as like a priority for not just like my son to be growing mm-hmm. up with Central American influence, but like with my siblings as well, and yeah. that of my dad especially because he's relearning things through me especially from mm-hmm. what I learned at school from what I find you know within our Central American uh, community on Twitter and on Instagram and I tell him hey did you know about this or I know this person and you know they're from Nicaragua or they're ha- they have family in Nicaragua or like mm-hmm. I tell him like yeah I got mutuals I got friends from like different places and he's like you know these people uh <laughs> no but it's through <laughs> their social media <laughs> through social media we're best friends yeah. through social media everybody yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and so like my dad's like, oh my God, you can do that. I'm like, yes, we can do that. Like it's possible. So like he's currently, you know, healing and learning his heritage again through me as I was learning about, you know, Mm -hmm. my heritage through his cooking. Uh, Yes. Which is, you know, I feel like cooking in general um, can also be like, he might not have been like oops he might not have been like saying it but he was through his cooking through the food you'll be able to experience and i feel like even though the words even though the explanation the history the background everything was not there 
the cooking and the food and the la gastronomia was there the the type that brought you to kind of like seek more because you like you know you probably be like well yeah I was very disconnected but you still like this is like you know like you know um like a little stuck you elito you were still connected yeah. and that's what like <laughs> right <laughs> here <laughs> uh, but I wanted to ask you um you know uh, you, you talked about being like Central American Mexican from Mexico and also about you um I don't know how indigenous that's, that's the <laughs> word right okay um about your indigenous um identities but how was for you like being part of multiple indigenous identities and how was it for you to navigate and auto discover your own identity so like how I often introduce myself I greet myself or sorry not I greet in the languages from the communities I come from you know I greet myself like I greet in um Chorotega, Yaki, and Tana'ata, you know, just to show like, hey, these are these are the communities that I'm coming from, that these are the from where like who I represent. And, you know, like a little bit of like a little layout is that on my mom's side, they're Yaki and Tana'ata. There's Filipino ancestry, keep in mind, but you know, we never grew up Filipino. We just only acknowledge that we have that ancestry. So um, but from my mom's side, uh, like I said, they come from the Yaki and Tanatan communities. And these two uh, pueblos, they originated in Sonora, Mexico. And these communities, they still exist on the other side of this colonial border, you know, in Mexico. They're still there. Um, most of my family comes from the original communities there. And, um, you know, we have the communities here on this side that they're federally, federally recognized that they exist today. Um, but, you know... Um, we're not associated with them because we don't have the papers, you know, mm-hmm. um, that itself it, it, in a topic is so much more complicated, more complex. And, you know, obviously we won't have time for that, but, you know, just yeah. to, just for listeners to know that um, you would think that I would probably be federally recognized with the tribes here, but I'm not just because of like where my family comes from and the whole history behind it. Um, and then like on my dad's side, not only is he uh, Nicaraguense, but he's also Chorotega. And Chorotega, they are the one one of seven uh, recognized um, pueblos originales in Nicaragua. And so growing up, we were told that we were also indigenous, you know, not just also being Mexican and being Nicaraguense, but that, you know, we were indigenous. That, but that was just it. Just, oh, yeah, these are your roots, too. But... Um, they weren't that specific as to like, yes, you come from these specific people. You come from, you know, this family, from this group. I had to ask. I was the one that had to get up, had to ask my grandparents from both sides of my family, had to ask all my relatives, um, you know, because we didn't grow up as connected with our cultures like mm-hmm. other people. And and there's a perfectly good reason for that, too, you know, because um. Both my grandparents on both sides of my families, they were disconnected because, um, you know, because of their grandparents' traumas during, um, you know, like, for example, on my mom's side, uh, Buforio Diaz's, you know, regime was happening, you know, in, around the 1900s, you know, which led to the 1910 Mexican Revolution. He created assimilation 
and genocidal policies mm-hmm. that were against the Yaquis because they were considered to be one of the last standing uh, pueblos against Mexico. And because of that, so many, uh, you know, like so many Yaquis were fleeing Mexico. And then some fled to uh, Baja California. Others went to California, um, Arizona, and even Texas. Mm-hmm. But then there were like some, there were some families that they didn't want to do that. Instead, they hid inside the cities. Yeah. And then on my autumn side, they were being pushed away by uh, the Mexicans. They were being pushed uh, by the white people, you know, because of land dispute and because of like economic reasons. They were looking for work in Mexico because at the time, you know, before the border was was made, they could go back and mm-hmm. forth and look for work, whether it was on the U.S. or on the Mexican side. And that's why my family, the one that was off them, they stayed in Mexico. They were like, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's better here just so we're not dealing with you know, the white people, the Mexicans who are, who are taking our land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, so it was understandable as to why my grandparents on that side were disconnected because of mm-hmm. like what was going on in, you know, at that time. Uh, and, you know, because like on my grand, or sorry, because on my dad's side as well, they were disconnected because what mm-hmm. were we going through at that time? It was, you know, the Somoza dictatorship. It was like the U.S. Yeah. interventions were beginning. And then, of course, the the, uh, the Nicaraguan revolution. Mm-hmm. And they were going through all those things. Yeah. That's why I understand why my family was disconnected, you know, because of war, trauma, mm-hmm. and stuff that they all endured that they passed it down to my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And when I asked my grandparents what they think as to why their parents or grandparents did this, they're like, because they didn't want us to um, experience, you know, these things that were happening. They didn't want to put our life on the line if something like if we mm-hmm. were outed as us still practicing our cultures. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's yeah. understandable. Like, like, despite, you know, like, um, despite that they would sort of practice their culture um you know close you know when they were like you know closed doors um they were afraid to display that kind in fear mm-hmm. of being outed and so you know i had to teach my my grandparents like hey it's okay like it's different now today you know people are are acknowledging where they come from people are acknowledging their roots you guys mm-hmm. should be very happy where you guys come from and i mean they have the knowledge they know but they mm-hmm. weren't practicing as much. Yeah. I tell them, you know, you can heal. Uh, you know, things are still happening in our communities, of course, especially in Latin America. But, you know, you can start by uh, healing, by acknowledging that it's okay that you were disconnected from your cultures because of what was happening, you know, um, with yeah. colonization in Latin America. And yeah. so, yeah, like, not just like my Nicaragüense side that I'm reconnecting, it's my indigenous side. Mm-hmm. So, like... I'm learning how to speak the languages. I'm learning, I'm currently learning how to speak um, Tana Atam and Yaki and Chorotega. I speak more Atam than I do of the other two languages just because of like the resources that's available and um, mm-hmm. and, with, and whatnot. But I'm also being more involved with my communities over there, mm-hmm. helping amplify their voices as well as like my own voices. And then mm-hmm. just teaching my, and, and like I said, I mentioned before, me teaching my families as to to heal to acknowledge to accept that it's okay that you know you can still learn you can still be proud of where you come from and i'm being that teacher to my siblings 
I'm being that guy to let them know as to for them to acknowledge where they come from, where our family comes from, and that um, that we have a unique background and like we shouldn't even forget where we come from. Um, but yeah, like I always say too, my family's experiences, it's so different compared to like other people's experiences. Like when I would be talking with my um, autumn community members and their experiences, you know, it would be like, oh, okay, like we have that the, the same views, but it's just the way that we each grew up was different. And I would always tell people like, yeah, our experiences, like you think all Yaquis, all Chorotegas, all Thanatoms, they all go through the same thing. No, we don't. Everybody, everybody within these communities have their own uh, diverse backgrounds. Everybody's so unique. Their stories are unique, just like my own. You know, it's complex. It's it's different. But, you know, at least we acknowledge who we are and where yeah. we come from, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my identity has to do with reconnecting and yeah. researching. I have to research historical and cultural items about each of my communities, respectively, mm-hmm. and then reaching out to my families and then just simply asking my families, you know, whether it's my tios, my tias, my cousins, or even my grandparents and my parents too. But mm-hmm. oftentimes my parents don't have that knowledge because, you know, they were living over here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I would ask, I would just simply sit down and listen to their stories, listen to their, to what they experienced. And that's how I got, that's how I found out. Um, <laughs> so that's. Just by me asking and just sitting down, that's how I got to learn about my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned about my maternal, um, what is it, my maternal grandpa's side, mm-hmm. where he was like, oh, yeah, we're Thanatham and we're Filipino. And I'm like, oh, OK, I understand the Filipino part, because then I explained to my thought that like, oh, there was like a I read this on a research article that it was um Mexico was looking for work oppor- you know workers and they were reaching out to the uh, to the Philippines and that's where you know my tatarabuelo came from met my tatarabuela and then you know that's why we exist right here and he's like okay like that's understandable like we always knew you know where he came from but we didn't know where exactly or why he came and then when we had to, you know, because I had to do like an assignment, like a family tree assignment. And we mm-hmm. found, I asked my tata's um, sister as to if she has, you know, my my bisabuela's um, birth certificate. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, she, um, I think she might have been yaki, but, you know, I need to double check like her birth date, death date and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, but I don't think she was yaki. She, there's a derogatory term right here. And it's a. Um, it's a term they used to refer to the Thana Optums as uh, Papagos, which means bean eaters, mm-hmm. even though Thana Optum translates to the desert people. <laughs> and so I told them, I was like, oh, yeah, your guys' mom was not only a Filipina, but she was also Thana Optum. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, okay, understandable. And then I was like, like I discovered where the village she was, uh, where my, uh, was, uh, I discovered the village where my bisabuela was from mm-hmm. and I had to call my partner. I was like, Hey, just letting you know, um, I found out and I just want to make sure we're not related. Okay. And he's like, I can't escape anybody. It's <laughs> like, no, I just wanted to let you know we're not though, just because of the distance and like where my, where my family comes from and where his family come from. It's, it's far apart. So I was like, Okay. Cool. But, you know, stuff like that, 
just by me sitting down and asking that's how i found yeah. out how like how um i'm more closer as being thought of them than I am with my other communities, but then to like, hey, just to make sure I'm not related with my partner, you know. Um, <laughs> sometimes, if you if you just sit down and just ask, you know, any of your relatives, stuff like this will come out, and you'll yeah. be like, wow, I did not know about this. Or it's like they'll be like chismeando, and I'm like, oh my god, like I can't believe this. And you see these people different, or you just start, you know, enjoying yeah. them. You know, it's it's stuff like that. That that's yep. why I would sit down and just be like asking my grandparents, "I have a question," or "How was it? Mm-hmm. How was it growing up over there?" Or "Do you miss it?" Like just simple, like little opening questions like that, and they'll go on and on. And I just sit there and enjoy it because I'm like, you know, like I love mm-hmm. this, and and it's you know. I'm like considered to be like the the family historian on both sides of my family because <laughs> I am the one that's actively asking, researching, and just telling our relatives as to yeah, this is where we come from, you know, like this is what's going on, this is why we exist today, and um, it's honestly I feel very happy about that, you know, because I'm very interested in my family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Technically, it's six generations um, past me, but I have the knowledge of seven generations on my fam- uh, with both wow. my family, you know, because it's from my tatarabuelos' generations all the way down to my son's generation. That's seven mm-hmm. right there. So I'm like, okay, like, if anything, uh, you know, my siblings, my parents can always ask me and I have that information. And there's times too where I've had my siblings like asking me, oh, just want to know, like, where did we come from or which specific region or things like that. And mm-hmm. they, even though my siblings are young, um, they acknowledge their roots were where we come from and that even though they're not as connected as I am to our communities, at least they know. And that if they ever want to uh, reconnect or go more in depth with our communities, at least they know where to start, what to do. And they have that knowledge. Hey, I know we don't like ads, but before we continue with that episode, I wanted to tell you that if you like our content, it would mean a lot if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Also, don't forget to follow us on the rest of our social media platform. And now let's continue with the episode. Yeah. And I, sorry. Um. I was going to say something. I feel like it's so amazing that you have the knowledge of seven generation because one day someone told me this stat and since that day, like I was mind blowing, you know, I was just like, I can't, I have talked, you know, I often have those talk with my, with my, with my brother. Um, and then like, so one person, I don't remember who, but one person told me, colonization is not too far from us it's only 10 generations away if you count 10 people in a room it's like it's average of 10 generation past you and i was just like and i met my bisabuelas right so that's a ver yo mamá so cuatro so like six people i didn't know but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like in, the, in their role. And I, that legit like was such a like mind blown thing because I was like, if we're not too far, I know people seem to think like, oh, colonization was 
too far. Like, don't even like. I have got those comments, like, don't even care why you always talking smack about, like, Cristobal Colombo's or all the stuff. Like, that was too far away. And the thing is, like, I'm like, like, we were talking here. It's like the generation of trauma that our ancestors had to endure, we still have it. No matter what, we still have it. And it's, you know, it is our duty, and I will say our duty to kind of, like, heal, but also learn and also don't forget that I, atrocidades that happen right so the thing is that when we were talking with my brother about that is because me and my brother did an ancestry dna because we're completely different right i often i, I don't know if i've said this here but i was i um uh, what's it called i identify as a mestiza and the reason is because my i have very close to me um well from my dad's side very close to me european um ancestry I don't like to say that, but, <laughs> but sad. Okay. Well, you know, I love you grandpa, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, my mom grew up in, in, in Alenka, uh community. Right. And yeah. we don't, you know, I mean, we don't, I, I, I don't know the language. My mom doesn't know it. My grandma either, but my great grandma had, and she was the one who kind of like, like you said, like, sadly, I don't want to, you know, no, es que no te quiero enseñar, but you know, it's like, it's like the similar. It's, like it's for your safety. Exactly. But I mean, I talk about Rey Toca all the time <laughs> and no. I love my Pueblito. And even though I didn't grow up, I didn't, was I wasn't born there, but I, I feel like that's my, that's my home. And I, I often have this kind of like battle and I don't know, probably that's kind of how it for you kind of like this for you to auto discover and like asking this question happened because that's how it happened to me because for me being in that town I felt safe and I often describe it as my happy place I don't know the connection I it felt like every time I was there I had a stronger connection than when I was in the city right and like it you know that's why I was like you know I don't want to you know, because I know it's not about blood control, but I'm like, yeah. I love so much the ancestry of my family, like the heritage of being Lenka, because there's some words, there's some things that we do in my family that I cannot even describe it because it's <laughs> not normal. You know what I mean? It's not that it's yeah. not normal. But it's like, oh, pero de donde viene? Ah, pues, like, lo aprendí de mi amita. You know what I mean? Like, oh, lo aprendí de allá. Or like, even church, how I see church, um, you know, and the thing is that our, you know, indigenous people in Latin America had to input their own indigenous religion into Catholicism. The reason that way for them to be safe because they couldn't even practice their own the religion and rituals. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I did back in like in Ritoka and like my family still do. That is like I haven't seen us fight. You know what I mean? So it's like that's why I'm. I don't know why, and I often say that in, in the search of that, me and my brother did a whole ancestry DNA, and I don't know how I ever said it, but I got disappointed of that. <laughs> I was just like, I have more questions, okay? I have more questions. <laughs> um, but it's to me that asking asking my 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 grandma asking my aunt asking my mom, my mom, like I, I told her, mommy, the positive ancestry DNA, and she's like, no, ya sabes que soy lenca. Like, why you need to know more? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, 
but, but yeah, we don't have the language in Lenca in Honduras. And I think the part is part of El Salvador as well. It's one of those communities who have almost to lost their entire language. It's one of the yep. communities who is very, very, very rare if you find someone with talking like Lenka. And it is so sad because I have searched for that. Like, just like you, I have searched for articles. I have searched for me to try to learn it because I was like, if I know from my dad's side, right? Like my bisabuelos migrated from Spain and France. Like, if I know that, it's so easy because it's that I nomasito, right? Um, it's like I want to learn more about my mom's side. You know what I mean? I want to be able to say, like, hey, like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know because I'm part of two, right? Like I said, I'm yeah. not very proud of the one, but I'm part of two. And but I I love my mom's side. I feel more connected to the side. I feel more connected to the the el pueblo. I feel more drawn to the culture. I feel more drawn to the love of that. And it's like I feel like that is the reason why I have chose the life that I have chose, right? Not only study Central American studies, because when I migrated here, and like like California, like you said, like there's a lot of Mexican community and assimilation and all that. But I felt like being away from my country and being away from the my culture is kind of like I, no no quiero dejar de aprender. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. that like I want to continue learning. I really really want to continue learning, and I don't want to kind of forget about my own culture about my own heritage and also like why did I start a film because I wanted to kind of use in the form of documentary like it's a whole thing right yeah. so like it's just I feel like it's amazing how you explain out of discovery and like you said you're own historian because in my family I am the person that I'm always asking the weird yeah. <laughs> kind of like why are you planning I yeah I have a spreadsheet uh, that I had to I had to do back in high school above a family tree and like I saw pictures of my grandpa like when he was very very young right I you know, uh, like my great grandma, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so scary. Like, why do I look like her? <laughs> you know, or like, uh, or, or, or even like, um, what's it called? My from my mom's side, I have very limited picture, but why is that, right? But I have so much family, and in the photo, Reitoka, like you said, well, let me check if we're family. The reason why in the Reitoka, everybody's family, and like, yeah, it, it, for sure, everybody think like, well, taquitos somos familia. Like my in in the pueblo, like like my family is one of the largest because like it's everywhere, you know. Like we're just connected for somehow, somewhere, somewhere, you know. So it's it's beautiful to learn and hear you from that because I feel represented in like what you were saying because I feel like it's kind of like you know, wow. Like I went out of my way to search for this because it's. In your heart, I feel like it's 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 a need, right? It's a need for you to to learn for that. It's a need to reconnect to that. It's a need, and I feel like a lot of people who might be here thinking like, "Well, how do I reconnect?" Right? Well, start with those hard questions. Start with learning what happened, and you know what? Like I told you, after I learned that that stat, I, I couldn't get it out of my head because I'm like. 
wow, like we're we're not even that far. So why yeah. do people make it seem that we're far? No, it's not far. The, you know, and you got to no seven. Girl, I barely got to four. <laughs> yeah, because um, it would take time. It would take time yeah. for like my grandparents to remember. They're like, mm-hmm. "What was what was my my grandma's name or what was my you know so and so's name?" And they're like, "This was the year." No. Was it this year? Where were they from? And so they'll talk to each other. They'll be like, no, wasn't it in this town or in this pueblo? And I'm like, I'm just waiting. And I'm just putting like, maybe from these other places, you know, because I know that with my parents, they're like, they even said it themselves. They're like, I almost hate those. Like we're forgetting some stuff, you know, but I tell them like, that's why too, I'm asking so that when they're gone, at least I have that. And you know, so my mamita, she's no longer here. She passed on to the ancestral realm um, back in 2021. She um, she passed from COVID. And before she passed, she told me, you know, an origin story from what she learned. And I think it made it more meaningful for me because... She was just saying like, oh, yeah, you're always hearing about Nicaragua saying how, you know, we're the land of, you know, lakes and volcanoes. And she's like, but there's a reason for that, because many of the communities here, we come from those, you know, we come from the lakes. We literally come from the volcanoes. We came out of those and we were uh, shifted into humans as to who we are now. And I was asking her about you know, pictures if she might have had of her or, you know, her parents. And she was like, no, like she says she wished, but she was like, just because of what was happening, you know, like the 1972 Manawa earthquake and the dictatorship and always on edge. She was like, we lost some of those photos. We lost, you know, some of them during these events. And so that's all that we really have left is like the stories that well, I should say like that. I have the stories of of my mamita. And now that she's no longer here, I'm carrying that on as to mm-hmm. this is what from what she told me. Yeah. And, you know, it's very, really sad, too, that the first and last time that me mm-hmm. and my sister got to meet mamita was when we went to Nicaragua in 2017. That was like the first and last time that we were there with her in person. Mm-hmm. And then my brother's, they're never going to experience that. And even they realized it too. They're like, yeah, we'll only remember our grandma through the stories that you, you know, our dad and, you know, um, my sister, they talk about. And so I would always tell them like, oh, like this is her. This is the video. Like we still have videos of her mm-hmm. and, we would, and we would show them to our brothers and we're like, oh yeah. Like if she was still here, she would have spoiled you guys too. And, and that was like the mm-hmm. sad realization too. She never got to spoil us because she was with my other cousins. She lived, you know, we're like 2,000 miles away. And yep. she's like, you know, I told my brothers, yeah, if she was still here, she would have spoiled you guys. Would have make sure you guys were taken, even though you guys would have been like, we're fine. No worries. And that's because she never got to do that with us because we were the only mm-hmm. grandchildren that live here in the U.S. You yep. know, and, you know, back to like the um, the whole reconnection, especially I really do agree on what you said, especially about uh, the Lenka as to it's really hard to come across somebody that comes from that community that speaks that language. Mm -hmm. 
and it's true because it's the same situation with the Choroteras in Nicaragua. You know, we much of our culture is gone. We don't really have like it's hard mm-hmm. to find information. Like it's when you're researching these things, it's hard because mm-hmm. there's limited resources. Um, yep. You know, and then like our language, it's it's almost gone because we don't really have a language anymore. Um, yeah. The only one that my that I discovered. Uh, yeah, the only one that I discovered was a an American anthropologist, and he happened to go to Nicaragua during the eighteen like seventies, eighteen eighties, and he happened to write down uh, like a hundred words of the Chorotega language, and that was like around the same time where many of our monolithic speakers of the language they they died. Mm-hmm. And so we really don't have much of a language left other than like that written copy mm-hmm. and from like our, our communities over there. Yeah. And so when I tell people like, yeah, I'm Chorotega, they're like, how are you indigenous over there? You know, because you don't have a culture. And I'm like, well, you're always thinking of the cultures of the indigenous cultures in the United States and in Canada, you know, the global North, you're always thinking like they have, you know, their attires, they have, you know, stories and all these ceremonies. I was like, it's different compared to like, you know, it's different over there because I would always tell them colonization in Latin America was so brutal to our pueblos that, you know, it's there are some communities, you know, like the Lenca and the Chorotegas and other and other communities that they don't they're holding on to what's left. And it's not like it's not like, you know, our, our Mayan um, relatives that, you know, they still got, you know, they have many communities of them, of the Mayan um, pueblo. And it's different. You know, we're, we're smaller, but we know where we come from. We're like, yeah, we're this. But then it's like. That's all we got because of how much, uh, you know, how much have we lost our cultures and stuff. And I'd say that, like, with the Chorotegas, the only, like, culture related that we have left, too, is, uh, you know, not just, like, whatever language mm-hmm. we have left, but it's also our potteries. Yeah. And so oh, I, yes. always, I always tell people, I'm like, our potteries are the only thing. Like, that's our art-related stuff, you know, and, and they don't believe mm-hmm. me. I'm like, that's all we yeah. got. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, and is that you you said, you know, like um the Mayan community, um, especially I mean, it is around like the Yucatan Peninsula, Guatemala, Belize, and a little bit of Honduras, they still have like the the languages, they still have the 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 tires, the textual that you know, and I honestly like it's so beautiful to know and like you can see the resilience, resilience. I think that's the word. Oh, how, how the people like se aferraron legit, you know, to the culture, to their language of like battling so many years of people wanting to erase them and erase us. You know what I mean? And because the same thing with like what we were talking about that you were saying about the Chorotega, about like pottery. There's the thing, same thing with the Lencas. Like the only thing. I like get to, you know, see and like learn is about la artesanías lenca. La, there's this uh, uh tex, textiles lenca that is specific colors and like get to learn like what's the mean. And also, I was able to find like a little bit of like a document that have just little words, like, like little words, and how much different is between lenca 
in Honduras and like in El Salvador, like a little bit changes, like every accent, you know, like every things happen. And it's like, this is all I have. You know, this is all we have. And it's like, it, it, but it makes you, but I don't know how you feel, but like I was explaining you, when you're reading that, like, it's just, for me, every time I'm reading stuff about the Venka community or like even about El Pueblo de Mi Mama or like things that people say, I'm like, it makes me feel safe. And to me, that is a good indication because I'm like, I feel like we always talk about our ancestors and people like that. And I feel like after so many years of being so disconnected after so many years, like, you know, maybe we don't know the languages, maybe we migrated to other communities, to other countries, or maybe we're far away and, you know, it has happened, I don't know, years. I feel like a part of you, a part of sense of you is always connected, like I was telling you with your dad. And I feel like that had brought us to be more, um, more como curiosas, right? Like more yeah. like let me let me learn a little bit of that, and it, it's beautiful when you get to learn that and when you get to see it. And even though like a lot of you know a lot of our culture have been erased, and like it's not like you said, like not like in the global north where, or like even like part of Guatemala that they have their attire, like the celebration of indigenous and indigenous communities in Central America. And specifically what we're talking about, like the kind of like Nicaragua, Honduras, is those little details that it might not be like entire language, but it's those little aspects of tradition, um, artesanías, and a little bit of like even how the houses are made, how they're located, that the interaction or like relación between like communities is what is what we like tenemos the ultimo, right? Even like the food. Right, like the food I yeah. have asked everybody, like because my my grandma makes riwe, and I have asked people, do you know what it is? And it's like no, but like if I go to my to my pueblita and then I tell them, they will know, you know. So I like that's that's to me a realization that it comes from there. You know what I mean? And it's um it's so beautiful, like knowing how the reconnection happens as well, but also how the learning, you know. And as you said, Sally, you know you're grandma passed but you have those stories that you can able to tell your your kid and like in generations to come even your brothers um because I mean that's all we have you know and I feel like celebrating those little details is what can bring us more to learn not only about ourselves but also about you know our cultures and our and our background and our heritage and talking about Chorotega there's like um little part of the Choroteca community in Honduras, and I think that it's close to Nicaragua, but I think it's by Choroteca, if I am not mistaken. I will have yeah, to um, I did, um, I was looking up um, information about that, and I have a couple of books um, that I got from the university's anthropology department that mm-hmm. mentions about the Choroteca, and some of them were saying that, you know, that they... Mm-hmm. Or originally, um, that they originated from Chiapas, Mexico, or that um, the name uh, Choltec, uh, mm-hmm. Cholteca from Honduras, that, you know, it came from there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. Either way, at least there's, you know, it doesn't matter where, you know, my communities are here in Nicaragua. And then, you know, mm-hmm. actually, we do have a Choltec community that's in, um, that's in uh, Costa Rica. Oh, I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. 
yeah so i'm like yeah like we have (laughs) yeah so i'm like we have communities over there and dialects are different but it's no problem like it's it's okay um but yeah, mm-hmm. I I did remember about that too, like finding that out. I was like, oh, cool. Even if we got roots from there, it's all yeah. cool for me. Like, like it, at least it's knowledge. At least you know, for we can know, we can trace back as to where we come from, how we got over here, and why did we have to move to these different places? Yeah, I was just searching the map, and yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's honestly todo oh, choluteca. <laughs> Yeah, it is, you know, so amazing to see how connected we are because for me, like the, the Lenka, and it's crazy to say, the Lenka um, community is one of the biggest communities of indigenous in, in, in Honduras, if yeah. it's not that biggest community. <laughs> but it also extends to El Salvador and, you know, talking with other Salvadorans when they say that, it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of yeah. like, oh, like let's learn together. Let's learn like, more about this. I see this. you. I see you. <laughs> you see me. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, like you know, just in general, too. Every time that I come across, um, you know, people that mm-hmm. are indigenous from Central America or even that of Mexico, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, there's a connection. Like we may come from different communities, but we see each other. We understand one another. So, like when you mm-hmm. said Lenka, I'm like, I see you. I see. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, well, I I know we have a lot to talk. Sorry. Um, I want to, you know, ask you a little bit about um, because you pursue um, a degree in like illustration design, Latin American studies, American Indian, uh, but your all your art also represents in like you know indigenous Central American and Mexican narrative and identity. So kind of like i'm gonna conjunct two questions uh yeah. but one was like you know how can i how you decided to go to study art and also what are some things that you discover while for focusing on those areas like indigenous identity the narrative not only in the united states but also like in mexico and central america yeah so my inspiration of me wanting to do art has come from my background ever since I knew I was a kid I wanted to become an artist that was just like the general idea an artist as I got older and I finished high school I knew okay I wanted to originally I wanted to become a animator and work for like Disney Mm -hmm. or Pixar but then um when I got accepted to the University of Arizona's art program that's what I was studying for. But the thing was, they lacked animation mm. classes. It was like, maybe you would see it like very rarely, like once a semester, but even then it would go at the same time that I needed my other required classes. And over mm-hmm. time, I was beginning to think, well, you know, the animation field is very competitive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would ever want to leave, you know, Arizona because, you know, I have my family, I have my my land here, I would be very homesick. And, you know, just in general, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be that person that moves to California, especially not only is it expensive, but uh, there's a lot of people living there. And yeah. it came to that point where I just decided that I wanted to be more involved with my communities here and give mm-hmm. back to them. And that's when I decided that... um. I wanted to become like a teacher, like an like like an educator within the system. Um, 
and you know in general too like i've always been a history lover i'm a history lover i'm a history enthusiast Mm -hmm. so with the whole art and history i wanted to combine them together i mean yeah automatically you would think art history but i was like no i want something different something else um you know because like you said yes i majored Uh in illustration design latin american studies with a minor in american indian studies and throughout my whole time at school i was really learning more about um not only just myself and just like my families, but it was just, you know, my communities in general, a Mm -hmm. lot of my artworks and my academic writings revolve around my, you know, they revolve around the Central American, the Mexican and the indigenous perspective, you know, like my artworks, uh, I've done a couple at school where like about the missing and murdered uh, indigenous women, girls and two spirits awareness. Mm -hmm. I've done stuff that was like about um, the Mexican folklorical culture because I was a part of it when I was younger. And then I recently did my capstone uh, on Nicaragua's folklores. Mm. You know, and, and basically I was doing artworks that really wasn't mm-hmm. explored in the School of Art. Stuff that yeah. was a representation of myself and my communities. Mm-hmm. And like my academic writings were about like the uh, Chicano romanticization on indigenous cultures and the, the Mexican American department was very shook about that. Um, I have done papers on like art within like the American Indian history field. Um, I even did my Latin American capstone on the feminist paradox of uh, the, the Nicaragua's women's revolution. Mm-hmm. And just things like that. It was like extensive research, extensive like outreaching to my communities to find out more. And, you know, being connected with uh, like other artists too from our Central mm-hmm. American community. Um, I got to meet those that were photographers, you know, um, like like you as well. And then mm-hmm. uh, like graphic and illustration artists. And it made me want to be out there more as an artist. It made me want to, um, you know, Put myself there to show where I come from and you know mm-hmm. as an individual who identifies from these communities um and I have like a unique perspective you know coming from these different places yeah uh, and people like I would often think no nobody's gonna be interested like you know I don't think people would have the time no people are interested in the stuff I create and at first I didn't think so um recently I did my first ever uh, exhibition solo exhibition mm-hmm. and it was at a nonprofit organization with called Groundworks here in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it was called uh, a little piece of Nicaragua. And it was just the positive stuff about Nicaragua, like mm-hmm. um, the simplest things to like, you know, we're drinking uh, fresco de pitaya, we're drinking cacao, a uh, little stuff like that. Um, I didn't want it to be political. I was like, no, mm-hmm. like I've been, researching stuff like that so many years at school that I don't want to do that right now mm-hmm. um, I wanted stuff that would remind people of um, Nicaragua or to show them at least what Nicaragua is about mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe it when I you know when I found out that there were a couple of visitors who visited my exhibition that they say they are Nicaraguense that they have friends that are Nicaraguan and that they live you know somewhere else 
I'm like, no way. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, uh, there's this one person that was saying, yeah, I am Nicaraguense and I'm from, you know, like I I didn't think there was another uh, Nicaraguense living here. I'm like, really? No way. <laughs> so it was an instant connection. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of appreciative, you know, um, a lot of appreciative and love and support that I received because it was <laughs> simple things that, you know, it was reminding people of, of them you know growing up it reminded mm-hmm. my dad a lot mm-hmm. about you know like the stories that he was told or how uh, he would say like yes I remember drinking this or um, the image that or the post that you saw were mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, the one I created called the how much do you love cacao mm-hmm. and that's like yeah that's you right there because I love cacao so much and he's <laughs> like I could really see that <laughs> and I was very happy about that, like, just because of, like, so many people were intrigued. They were mm-hmm. so interested, too, you know, given that it's Central America. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, we have our own culture. We have our own history. You know, we're not in this monolithic, uh, like, group that you think that we mm-hmm. are just because we're, we're right next to Mexico and we're, like, right there with South America. Like, no, we have our own stuff. Yeah. And, it makes me want to continue doing that. You know, now mm-hmm. that I, I graduated, it makes me want to create more Central American art, me doing more research so I can put it out there and say like, yeah, um, you may be from another part of Central America or maybe you're South American or Mexican, but hey, guess what? This is like what makes us us. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it too is that um, some of my art, I'm putting more of my artwork mm-hmm. out there on social media. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm getting all confident now. <laughs> but like my artwork reminds folks about Nicaragua, especially if they're Nicaraguenses themselves, and they'll tell me like, "Oh yeah, my family's from here." You know, I am from Nicaragua. Like I have a friend who is from Bluefields, and I have a friend that um, that actually lives here in Tucson, and she mm-hmm. is a Nicaraguense Mexican like me and she's like yeah my family's from Hinotega and I'm like hey like it's a it's an instant like like connection um, yeah connection solidarity right there and I would always tell them like you know you are Nicaraguense you know you're Central American in general whether or not Mm -hmm. you are um more connected or less connected you know than I am and that's okay like it's a part of you like it is a part of me and and that's all I really want to do with my art is to really reach out to each of my communities and to say like this is us that this is why I'm so proud like right now it's currently Central America eventually I'm planning on doing um like my indigenous community Mm -hmm. so like my my yaki and my the communities and then doing work for that to show them like hey there's another uh, artist that does this and you know my art is something that I want to do that I genuinely mm-hmm. want to share and to show what is a part of my culture my identity my history mm-hmm. and and you know like I said like my Instagram especially it's becoming more art related I started TikTok and so it's like it's becoming more art related too (laughs) um and you know what I also discover when it came to me doing these things Mm -hmm. is like how I mentioned it earlier I'm my family's historian I am currently that bridge for my siblings about our Mm -hmm. heritage our roots our connections and then you know because Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest um mm-hmm. and then I have my three younger siblings you know one's 22 the other ones are 16 and 14 
yeah. and they're not as connected to our cultures as I am. I tell them like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're young, you're you're dealing with this right now. Um, but they have that acknowledgement of like, yes, we know where we come from. Like this is what Eddie is showing us. This is what our dad is showing us. This is like our family connections. And then that's pretty much it. Um, I was listening to your podcast episode mm-hmm. the other day, uh, episode five, and mm-hmm. the guest resonated so well with me and I thought is this about us is this about me I th- what was her name I think it was uh, Isabel Correa <laughs> yes, I think uh-huh. I- and I was like oh my god this her situation about being the bridge is exactly like me <laughs> and it's true because you know I'm the oldest my first language was Spanish and my sister like it's so different even though we're three years apart with her she understands Spanish she speaks Spanish but it gets mm-hmm. to a point where it's like she doesn't want to at times when we were in Nicaragua she would speak mm-hmm. basic Spanish and it's like oh okay yeah but it won't go into like a big conversation like I do mm-hmm. where I was talking to my cousins to my relatives and then um with my brothers they understand Spanish but they don't really speak Spanish they're taking mm-hmm. Spanish classes right now and they're coming up to me and my sister saying okay like they're trying to teach us Spaniard Spanish, but we want to know these terms. And I'll tell them, yeah, like, yeah these are our Central Amer- this is Central American Spanish. We can teach it to you. And I would tell them, like, yeah, use these words. This is Mexican Spanish. Use this. And so, like, mm-hmm. I'm that teacher for them. Um, and my brothers, they acknowledge, like, yeah, we are Mexican. We're Central American. We're indigenous. But then, like, that's all. That's how it is. Like, okay, that's all we know so far. Um one of them is like a historian lover like me. So they're like, I'm kind of interested in going into that field. Like I want to see more about it. And I'm like, I always tell my siblings, if you ever have any questions about our families or communities, like you're more than welcome to ask me. I'm like, you have my partner and his family, you know, um, and then we have like other people that we can talk to. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about it now, like I'm also that connection, that bridge to my child. Yep. in regards to like mm-hmm. his identity mm-hmm. um but yeah i am more connected than um, my siblings and then more connected than my dad but at the same time like whatever i learn i give that knowledge to them yeah to share mm-hmm. with them um but yeah like that was like a really cool discovery of me you know just like finding that out in my you know, I screen recorded the episode, like the segment of, of um, Isabel mm. talking about that. And I sent it to my sister and I was like, I need to listen to this podcast because she's interested in, in, in listening to podcasts. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is about us basically, isn't it? And she's like, oh my God, it is. And she's like, Eddie, you're, you are the bridge. You're our bridge to our families or to our cultures. And she's like, I never put it that way, but you are. And so she was really happy about that. And, and she was like, I can't believe that. Like, it put her in a new perspective as to she wants to be more, like, she's proud of where we come from. And, you know, she loves mm-hmm. Nicaragua. And she's like, no, I want to show it out there more. Like, I want to represent Nicaragua more. Mm-hmm. And my brothers, you know, my brothers have, like, the bandera. They have, like, the the <laughs> album. And they're like, yes, this is us. And they're like, we want to learn more, So, um hopefully this uh we're hoping most likely by the end of this year mm-hmm. we're gonna go to Nicaragua just Aww. because it's so expensive it's so expensive people don't realize that especially because mm-hmm. we live here in Tucson if we were to go from like let's say Tucson to like Houston or Dallas Texas mm-hmm. and then go to Manawa, that's like 
$4,000, maybe $7,000, depending on how many people are coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and, and, you know, it's not like, I have a friend that she lives, I think, like, in Chicago, or I think it was in Florida, and they were like, oh, yeah, like, this is our price for if we want to go to, to Manawa, and it was, like, 600 bucks. I was like, <sighs> Well, that's nice for you because I live all the way over here in fucking Arizona and <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but um, I want my brothers to go. And they, and they express interest in going to Nicaragua because mm-hmm. they're like, we want to go. We want to keep going, you know. And I tell them, too, I'm like, hey, Mamita's gone and she never got to meet you, too, because they were the only grandkids she never got mm-hmm. to meet. And I tell them, at least you owe it to her, too. Go mm-hmm. visit her resting place. Present yourselves to her to be like, we're here finally. You know, we're here with you. And then I want you guys to experience like our culture, our peoples, you know. And they were just asking like, will we feel safe over there? I was like, I felt safer over there than I was when I would be in Mexico sometimes. I'm like, over there, I was like, I had nothing to worry about. I could be, we were sitting in the front lawn and nothing happened. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, trust me, you're, when you go over there, you're going to be really upset when you come back over here and you're like, great. I'm here in this capitalist country <laughs> eating artificial food when I could have been eating real frutas over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yes. and, and so like, I, I'm the one that's always talking to my siblings about these things and, uh, it's very nice, but like I, I always tell them like, please, please go and experience that. Go mm-hmm. and um, reach out to our family, and I would tell them like, you guys got cousins your own age. Talk to them, and they're very yep. worried about Spanish. They're like, well, we didn't grow up speaking Spanish like you. I'm like, I can be that connection. I am that. Mm-hmm. I'm your translator. Our dads are translator too, and. I tell them, you know that they're learning English as a second language, so you guys can teach each other, because that's mm-hmm. how, you know, that's how it is. And I was like, hey, Papito actually speaks English because he's an English teacher over there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys ever have problems? You can ask him too, and you you'll be fine. You know, things yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that was a really great discovery. And I'm very happy for that because all of my family agree. Like, yeah, you're that bridge. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> thank you. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but you know, oh my God, I am so glad that you know it resonates with you. I feel like, and then of course this is a sign now. Every time I get like emails or people tell me, oh, like I really like this episode or connected, I'm like, well, that's the whole purpose of this podcast, right? For people to listen to other people and be like, oh, like I hear myself there or like I reconnect with this because this is the conversation that we probably would have never found out there. And that's, you know, that's why this is here, (laughs) which is, I'm excited. And, you know, I am so happy to learn about your art and happy to know that it's like the, come on, the one platform for you and I'm so excited to see more of your art because I like we need more artists out there we need more people that represent to come from like different backgrounds and that can put everything into art and that can demonstrate to the world and I am so glad that you represented you know Nicaragua in a positive way because sometimes we talk and then like I mean I I can be too you know (laughs) that like we tend to go political and like I always say you know like Central America you cannot talk about Central America without being political but at the same time Central America is beautiful right and I feel like we need to we need to resaltar más and Nicaragua is stunning I often call Nicaragua my second home 
because that is the country that I visited the most uh, when I was little. I went like seven times. <laughs> I love what I, um, my, my dad's brother family is from, but I say family because his ex-wife at the time yeah. was, you know, his wife uh, was from Nicaragua, specifically from Managua. And man, no, pardon me, Masaya. And like, oh, I visited, okay. yeah, I visited all the time. Because for me, when Tegucigalpa, La Frontera de Nicaragua is just two hours. So it's like, like yeah. a little trip. I would wake up like on what, a Saturday morning, they would wake me up at 4 a.m. She's like, oh, we're going to Nicaragua. Like it was nothing. Like you were going to the playa. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you were going to the playa. I was like, okay, let's grab a little bag and we will go for the weekend and come back <laughs> like that that was for me so i was saying that's why i have so much love for nicaragua and i i love nicaragua i love the cuisine um and i am so happy when i see nicaraguan art and i see in general of course central american but also nicaragua because i feel like sometimes it gets overshadowed by other countries and like you know and in general central america there's a lot of countries who have been overshadowed which can sometimes people think that Central America is only Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, and it's not. Like, we have Belize, we have Nicaragua, we have Costa Rica, we have Panama, and it's like, you know, so for me, for every time I find out about stuff, it's like, just make me happy because we need to put them more out there. We need to start coming, yeah. you know, with art, with, like, I don't know, music, you know, anything you can think of. Um, yeah. To, to kind of like, people to learn more about our culture, and that way we don't get as we were saying, like erased or people can understand us more and not put us in this whole pile and think that we are the same because even if we're Central Americans, you know, we're different, you know, like yes, the Koreans are different than me as in, you know, Honduran and, you know, and uh, my friend that likes Salvadorans and I have a lot of Nicaraguans friends. I think like that's like for some reason I have found so many Nicaraguans <laughs> here in LA. And like I am so happy to see that because one of my best friends is very like I am proud where I'm from. Girl, but she takes her Nicaragua and say, wait, something extra. Like I when I tell you, when I tell you, if I would go back to my high school days, she made my day. Because I remember her like in like we were like in tenth grade, and I saw como un como un como un llavero y decía Nicaragua, and I was like, oh, you're a Nicaraguan, and she's like, ¿vos también so like that? That was her response, and I was like, no, pero soy hondureña, <laughs> you know? And then she's like, ah, pero no me importa. Like she was like, she was hilarious. I mean, she still is, and I love her every time I connect with her. Like she was out there, so you know, I love to see people like that. I love people to like embrace her whole like identity and also even if you're the, connecting embrace it love it in your own way and shape or form that you want to demonstrate it or love it or even if you don't want to like be out there with a bandera or stuff like that, at least you know know that it's okay to like you know reconnect and learn and express it the same way as you are like at the end of the day we're here to learn we're here to reconnect it, ha it has been so many times we we have felt you know I won't want to say ashamed, but some people do feel ashamed of it, feel that I don't want to be related. But I think like it, it is on our journey of life that eventually we're going to come back and kind of like connect to that. Um, but yeah, before we close, sorry, because we're, we're an hour ago, girl, we'll, we'll be talking here. <laughs> it's already number three. I just saw it. I, it. I was like, whoop. 
Oh yeah, it's almost now thirty. Yes, uh, but I was like, before we close, I just want to, of course, you know, thank you for everything to be here. Thank you for being a listener. Um, I, you know, I appreciate you a lot. Every time I. I talk about you and my mom a lot because I'm always like, let it go. Mommy, it's Erica. Like, I have seen your name so many times. Like, even like, <laughs> like when we barely started. So I, that's a lot. You know, it means a lot to the podcast, a lot of support. And, you know, thank you so much. And I, I am, you know, honored and happy that we can be a, a little bit for you to start your reconnecting um, aspect. Um of journey so yeah i want to before we close i just wanted to ask you if you have anything else to say um also where your social media uh, everything will be linked in the you know notes but yeah any of my final comments i think i got is um you know academia wise there's a lot of erasure about central americans and so if you ever want to talk about that specifically about academia especially at the university of arizona mm -mm, i got a lot to talk about because um you know university is different it's not like you know the universities in california where they offer central american classes like nothing Mm -hmm. um there was a lot of ups and downs for me, a lot of microaggressions I've actually experienced from professors. So if anybody wants to hear about that, especially mm-hmm. all the way in Arizona, <laughs> let me know because I uh, mm, got a lot. But <laughs> other comments that I would like to say is that I want people to understand, to know that there are Central Americans that exist outside of the Central American communities, you know, like away from California, DMV, the, um, you know, New York, even Florida and Texas, different places. We just happen to be in places like Arizona where there's not a lot of us and it doesn't make us any less Central American. Mm -hmm. No matter what, we are Central American, of course. But, you know, I want people to acknowledge that, to realize that we don't have those you know like no podemos ir a los tienditas mm-hmm. we don't have like any of the stores we have to look it up online we have to find brands that are similar that they may taste the same as like the brands mm-hmm. that you know that are at these stores we don't have restaurants like i told my dad there's a nicaragüense restaurant he's like oh cool he thought it was here in town or in the state it's in it's in california or i'm like yeah there's another one but it's in texas mm-hmm. and he gets bummed out and he's like, oh, like, I really wanted you guys to try this kind or things like that. Um, you know, because my dad didn't ask to be put over here, you know, and I don't blame my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's not their fault that they're over here in Arizona. Um, but yeah, just for people to know that Central Americans, they we live out here, you know, um, we're trying to have that recognition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to put the central american recognition here in tucson you know with my artworks with me going through academia and it's extremely frustrating you know being erased being you know coming across xenophobia remarks and just having people say your culture is the same as mexicans or you guys talk the same way as we do Mm -hmm. i you have no idea how many times i wanted to fight my spanish uh, teachers because they would tell me that the words that I'll speak, it's not correct. Instead of me mm-hmm. saying guaraches or sandalias, I'm over here saying chinelas. And I'm like, I'm sorry. But that's how I would say it mm-hmm. with my family over there. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, you do realize that Central American Spanish does exist, mm-hmm. that we have our own dialect and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, people need to understand that we are trying our best over here being away from Central American communities because it's so hard when we're in a predominant Mexican population. Yep. It's so difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, if anybody has any questions, if they want to reach out to me for anything, um, if they want to get to know me more, um, I am available on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, I'm trying to post more on TikTok for my art-related mm-hmm. stuff as well. So it's going to be um, NV Eddie underscore fine art and of course alejandra will provide for that um mm-hmm. just in case um but yeah other than that though yeah you know i love being central american i love yeah. my communities i love my central american community here on social mm-hmm. media so i like you uh, alejandra mm-hmm. love you because uh, i'm so grateful you know for for everything and i'm very grateful for especially um zadia who mm-hmm. created the central american beauty art yes. because for her, i wouldn't have come across so many amazing people you know that we that i know today yes. so um shout big out shout out to, to her. Shout out to, she's the one who gave me this earrings by the way oh my god really? <laughs> yes oh, yeah. oh by the way that's a net i don't know everybody who always sees them oh. that's a yes. net illustration art <laughs> I, I have Annette's illustrations hanging up in my other room. It's not in this room. It's in my other room. But yes, yes. shout out to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, any if there are any uh, Central Americans living here in Tucson or in Arizona in general, mm-hmm. uh, please reach out to me, you know, c- connections, uh, yes. solidarity, got to stick together. So anybody reach out to me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, but no, of course, Erika, thank you so much for being here. Um hey you always have open here i know we wanted to cover so much so if you want to come again you know this is your house so i would, I would be down you know i would be down for another episode but specifically ba- uh, sorry specifically about academia because yes. it's yes. tough <laughs> yes that is the <laughs> that is a lot but no thank you so much it was a pleasure talking with you no oh, thank you so much alejandro really appreciate it and i can't wait to listen to this episode <laughs> Before I say hasta luego or onto our next episode, if you like our content and would like to support my work, you can join our Patreon or donate through our website. Also, don't forget that year-round we're accepting donations for our Voices Scholarship. All the information is always in the description box. And also, don't forget to come back for our next episode.